Hello, I'm Jason Sroden from the Orthodontic and Dentistry Digital Marketing Agency, Brain Bites Creative, and welcome to the Get It Straight podcast, where we examine the hottest topics in orthodontics and dentistry. I'm joined today by my co-host, Judd John, CEO of ODO, the on-demand orthodontist. Judd, how are you today? Good. Great. <laughs> it's always, always such a magical opening from you. Thank you for those beautiful words. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about why data is so damn beautiful. And joining us today, we brought in the queen of data, COO of Gage, Suzanne Wilson, and returning guest, Dr. John Warford. Suzanne, how are you? I'm great. It's great to be here. Hi, everyone. Yeah. John, how are you today? Doing great, Jay. Thank you, sir. Yeah, John was like, what are we talking about today? I don't even know. So he's surprised. What do you think about the topic? Pretty hot, right? Hey, data. Yeah, I can spell it. That's about it. So, <laughs> how? But do you use data in your practice? Yeah, yeah, we do. And we uh, we have Gage implemented in the practice as well. Um, I've, uh, I've not seen any of the data. It's been supposedly running for a couple months. But uh, yeah, data is important. I'm a, I'm a scientist and a research-driven guy. So yeah, I agree with all that stuff. Suzanne, tell us a little bit about Gage and then just general, like, why is data so important and, you know, why the push for data right now? Absolutely. I mean, so Gage is the name of our company, but it's also our flagship software product. Um, Gage provides operational and financial metrics. It includes benchmarks that are pulled from all of the well-known industry consultants. So kind of like, where should you be as your practice? It also includes comparisons that are aggregated and anonymous. So um, Dr. Warford could look around his region and say, all right, how am I doing compared to others like me? If they're single owner, multi-owner, multi-location, you can um, slice and dice it to make sure that you're looking apples to apples. So, I mean, the important thing about data, I mean, how long do we have here? Because there's really a lot to talk about. Oh, Judd has this booked for like six hours, so we're good. Great. Okay, everybody get comfortable because uh, <laughs> there's a lot to talk we, about. We got, this is, we give our special guest filibuster opportunity. <laughs> great, great. Hope everybody went to the bathroom because we're going to get into it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, all seriousness, you know, we, we fully believe in um, automation, streamlining, leveraging technology technology and software to help orthodontists run their businesses better. That's that's really what we're doing. Um, and in our day and age, it is um, pretty much unacceptable not to be leveraging your data to understand what's happening in your business, where you should focus, gain clarity, and honestly, um, reduce stress in managing a business. So most orthodontists, they by trade are um, taking care of people. You know, they're helping to correct malocclusions, um, oral health care, right? And as far as business owners and having a team of analysts, you know, that's not very common. And so Gage is really filling that gap um, and allowing doctors to be, you know, maybe a one minute manager or a five minute manager, um, pulling their team in, gaining alignment by understanding truly what's going on in the business and areas where we may, we may want to focus for improvement or areas where we may want to say, man, we're doing great. Let's celebrate this. What are the top three metrics that orthodontists specifically should be looking at first? Like just top level that gauge gives you that you might not have had. 
Yeah. I mean, so all orthodontists are going to be thinking about is my phone ringing and am I starting patients, right? And where's the money going? Um, but that sounds obvious and easy, but to be able to track and manage that in an effective way that doesn't take a ton of time, that's, that's where Gage is coming in. So those are the key pieces is starts, production, collection, uh, but there's over 80 metrics that are within the software, right? So depending on how detail oriented you want to be, uh, as Dr. Warford said, you know, he started using Gage, but he hasn't really actually um, gotten into the data. I think what's going to be fun is when he starts to look at those dashboards, it's never going to be something he has to dive into the weeds and um, get overwhelmed with all these numbers and stuff. It's, it's dashboards. It shows trends um, and, and keeping an eye on some of those key performance indicators uh, are really a way to, to just stay healthy in your business. Judd, you've worked with a lot of orthodontists on the applicator side and the, you know, all the instruments. Tell me about, you know, what are the pieces of data that they're using to make decisions on that side of the business? This, this podcast is, it's, we got a pretty wide scope. It's pretty ambitious. So we're, we're talking to orthodontists, we're talking to dentists, and we're also talking to patients here. And so you know, a lot of the things that we talk about are fascinating things that the patients might not be aware of that happen in the orthodontic community. And a lot of things the dentists might not be aware of that happen in the orthodontic community. And, and, you know, we know with like dental systems, they have some practice management systems and for the patients out there, practice management system is basically everything that a dentist or an orthodontist uses to track you in your case. And so what Suzanne's talking about here is using all of those systems, but really, if, forgive me, I'm not, I'm, you're, you know your product a lot better than me, Suzanne, but they're, they're diluting it in such a way as to the orthodontist can really understand from a data perspective where you are in your, in your phase in, in treatment. So you've either decided to get started in treatment or you have not, but you're in what call, is called observation. Yeah, Suzanne? And so, you know, the, a lot of people out there in Reddit and in the normal world and communities, they're aware of digital marketing. And, and, and you know, we, get, we all get e-blasts all the time as just human beings and consumers. But, you know, it, it's important for orthos and dentists to, to, to to really quantify what's going on in their practice. And that's the best way I can kind of compartmentalize this conversation for a patient so that they can see like, so that the orthodontist knows exactly the wins and the where's to reach out to you to re-engage if you have not started treatment. And Gage can help them with that, but they can also make them financially viable. Did I capture that correctly, Suzanne? hundred percent. I mean, I thought about this as well. You know, when patients go into the orthodontist, they may or may not realize they're walking into a small business, right? So think about a custom shop of any sort. Um, and so the way that the orthodontist chooses to have phone answered and decor and um, their bedside manner and all, all of those kinds of things, those are typically a direct result of the owner's choices, right? And so um, it, it brings this old school charm and it's often why it it really creates like a wonderful experience um, for patients and for moms and their kids 
But what it also means, these small businesses, they need to stay viable. They need to stay healthy and they need to be able to track each patient through their unique journey. And to your point, Judd, software automation engage gives these practices the ability to say, okay, we've got somebody that is, you know, would like to come in and get um, their smile corrected. Let's make sure that we are keeping track of them, their unique health, their unique circumstances all along the way. And what we don't want is orthodontists that are smile engineers, you know, going through data and punching in a bunch of stuff into their system. So a lot of times they have staff members, but as the leaders, you know, they want to make sure that that unique ability to care for each individual is very tightly managed. And the software is, is a tool that helps them do that the best, to the best of their ability from a business standpoint. Well, just one interlude there. We, you know, Jay and I talked in our last episode about how should an orthodontist think about communicating with a patient about starting orthodontic treatment, a dentist as well. And so, you know, this is part of that equation and part of that story, because could, could it be said that based on how an orthodontist measures this data is how they might choose to engage with a patient? Or, or is that is that not mutually exclusive with this conversation? And how would that would that change that interaction or even the, the act of reaching out more consistently to that patient to get them started? Because one of the things Jay and I talked about last week was what's a surefire way to kibosh a start? And one of the things that we talked about is being over salesy in a, in a consult. Yeah. And, which I'm sure both of y'all would agree with. But just gauge, ring the bell and say, hey, this person's an observation. You need to reach out to them. Yes. How does all that work together? Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're touching on a really um, critical detail and you're actually talking about the observation pool, which, you know, we have these analogies if, for the old people in the room. Remember when you were kids and like your dad would throw the keys on the bottom of the pool and you'd go diving for them, right? So that's, that's the win. That's the magic. So being able to manage the observation pool is critical and being able to come up with the win. Uh, what Gage is able to do is it actually looks, so you've got, you could print report after report out of your practice management software, right? Which is a data warehouse of everybody that you've ever talked to that's come in and all that good stuff. What Gage does is it goes and looks at all of that. It does counts and it says, okay, you've got 300 kids between the ages of 12 and 14. These, these kids should be coming in. And then you've got somebody tasked, you know, some practices depending on size may have an observation coordinator and that is their primary task would be to go through and reach out and really do outreach. It could be email, it could be phone, it could be text messaging, whatever sort of marketing activity that the office employs absolutely helps them dial it in. So what that does is it makes them far more effective in that activity versus just saying, okay, let's like, you know, print out 500 pages and start going through line by line and seeing what everybody's birthday is and figure out who we're going to call. You now have basically an exception report with Gage saying, okay, let's not worry about the nine to 11 year olds. Um, we want to pull some starts from our OBS pool, get the keys from the bottom of the pool um, and turn those into starts. Absolutely, Judd. Dr. Warford, you've been practicing a while and you haven't had Gage up until recently. I don't know if you've had other practice management software, but what's a piece of data that you've like wanted to have that you've never really been able to get your hands on? And I don't know if, if Gage solves that problem, but I'm just curious. 
This is a total setup. Wish I had read those questions. <laughs> um, so uh, a couple of things, practice management software. Um, yes, we've had that since, uh, you know, 2002. Actually, it's kind of funny that you bring that up is that our practice management software, when my father started our practice in 1973, was a leather bound book. And I've, I actually have the, that from September 1973. It's kind of, uh, kind of interesting. But um, so, we, so we've had that since 02. We've had a couple of different companies. Gage is, um, uh, is, is supposed to be a little bit different in bringing together the information in a way that's a little bit more understandable, kind of more customizable how we want it to look at it. And again, we've had that, um, there's been a couple of, uh, hiccups, not on Gage's part, but, uh, in our, in our getting that started, but, uh, we have that now up and running and there's a little bit of a process in order to make that happen. And I actually don't even know what everything the gauges, um, uh, you know, is capable of doing, but some of the more important things are, you know, are we getting patients done when we, when we, uh, when we predict we're getting them done, you know, do we need to, um, do we need to tweak our estimates on treatment time, et cetera, et cetera, number of visits, you know, things like that. So, you know, those are the real interesting things, but it, on top of it all at the bottom, at the end of the day, we're dealing with humans as being the patients. Um, and, you know, there's a human factor and X factor, if you will. And there's always the patient that, doesn't come back for six months or move somewhere. And then they, a year later, they're back in the office. And so, you know, the, it's, it'd be interesting to see how Gage uh, works through some of those, um, you know, human issues that aren't necessarily the practices, uh, you know, main concern, but it's very much in the patient's uh, and the, in the patient's responsibility to make things happen. I've seen that. I've seen, I saw data today of Gage doing that. So I know it does do that. And I also want to say like implementation of any software project, anybody who tells you that their software implementation is easy and painless, they are lying. And it's a big thing in this industry. Oh God, so easy. Just turn a switch. No, not if it's done right. And that implies that both sides are bringing their best people to the table. And that doesn't always happen. So I think like, I just want everybody out there when you're, if you're looking at any software, just expect that there's going to be a month of it not being that fun. And I think if we all learn that and because I've done it myself, I've gone through like nine implementations now and it is, it is just challenging. So Suzanne, on that note, with with what uh, Dr. Warford was saying about getting that data, can you kind of explain how Gage breaks down that personal data from a patient by patient basis? Like, yeah. obviously, it's it's anonymized, but yeah, no. And in fact, we actually don't pull in any individual patient data into Gage. Um, everything we do, we we're we're keeping that. Um, it's very HIPAA compliant, but really the purpose is that Gage is a business tool. It's directional. It's not to say, hey, Tiffany Smith needs a phone call, um, but it's to say directionally, your patients seem to be extending your treatment time past what you anticipated. So um, red flag, look at this, right? And, and assess your business processes and your systems. Um, it's it's in, in a, from a business management standpoint, that's exactly what you want. Because um, to your point, the implementation and getting the data right and making sure everything is clean and, and delivering the information we want, that's some heavy lifting in the front. But then what we want on an ongoing basis is the ability to 
take in those visualizations, understand what's happening in a snap, and then determine what a move is that we need to make or not. I mean, that that's one of the, the biggest things that probably we have an opportunity to share on is Gage also helps you to not worry about a bunch of stuff, right? And that is, that's not as talked about as often to say, hey, all this is good. Machines running well, life is good. Don't worry about it. But hey, over here, treatment over ECD, maybe AR, uh, whatever it may be, here's a red flag, get into this and solve this problem because it's going to have a big impact in the immediate and or long term. Dr. Warford, going back to your father's leather bound notebook, because that's super cool that you have it and definitely send us pictures of that so we can put it up on the website. But how, how different is the data that your father wrote in the book compared to the data that you take today? Well, you know, in some ways it's similar. Um, you know, you learn in the uh, dental school what's called the SOAP, S-O-A-P, uh, you know, as far as a way of, um, you know, putting data in, subjective, objective assessment and plan. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things are the, the same. I mean, that was a completely different world in orthodontics back then. I mean, you know, back then it was uh, 1973, it was all you know, banded appliances that take three hours to get on. And I mean, it was, it was a completely different world compared to nowadays with, you know, with the uh, aligners being, you know, very commonplace with, with no metal in your mouth whatsoever. So, um, you know, the, the overall, um, the, the overall uh, aim of you know, the record keeping was the same. Um, it was much more simple back then. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, a lot uh, fewer patients and a lot uh, uh, it's uh interesting to look at but yeah it's a different world but the, the overall the uh, the information that looked at is the same it's just now it's it's uh you know different words uh different uh nomenclatures that never were even weren't even invented back then so uh but the overall intent's the same is it fair to say and this is this ties to the last topic that jay and i discussed about you know if the patients walk in the office things they should look for and due diligence if a patient sees a leather-bound book for keeping records, is that is that a signal flare of a warning for that office and the kind of treatment they will getting versus digital system? Yeah, I'm not sure that there's gonna be many offices doing doing it like that anymore. But yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I remember 20 years ago when I was coming into the practice and we went uh, we went uh, you know we're going completely paperless. I mean, that was considered to be like. I mean, uh, I mean, that was a monumental task that, uh, you know, the staff, you know, completely resisted. And, um, and nowadays it's, uh, everything is, everything is so paperless now. So it's a, it's a completely different world. You know, now it's, uh, you know, getting the, and now you may, maybe don't even need a server in your office. Nowadays it might be a cloud-based, you know, so, um, you know, what, what happens uh, with the overall technologies, what happens within the ortho industry and records and computing, I suppose. So, so based on, and this is sort of a segue, but you know, we've got a guest with, with a great deal of experience on either side. Um, how, you know, you're, we, we talk about a lot of topics here that, that are, you know, dentists might be interested in that are associated with orthodontics, right? And, you know, as you know, like the deeper you go into the orthodontic ecosystem, there's so much going on over there that the patient might not be aware of and the dentist might not be aware of. In your career working on both sides, mm -hmm. 
What would you say or just like one item or, or even two items that you would say that was surprised you or was new to you or was interesting to you about ortho as you came over from dental and, you know, that probably a dentist might not be aware of, certainly a patient might not be aware of. And, and it can be as, as, you know, as easy as like, you know, the, the water coolers conversation is better at the orthodontic. OEM manufacturer or something else. I don't know. And I, you know, it's kind of a putting you on the spot question. And I'm, I've never asked you that, and I'm fascinated. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, and that that is kind of a big topic. It's um, my my wheels start turning. I'm like, wow, I don't know. I mean, one the thing that comes to mind first is actually sort of the small town feel in orthodontics because it's a specialty, right? And so there's far less. And so that that was kind of fun coming from. So my background, and, and thank you for the the kind words. I mean, my background is um, definitely it's operations and it's marketing in both the dental and ortho world. And then I came into technology. Let's say about three and a half almost four years ago so there's a lot more dentists i think that's probably well known to our our audience but as far as um you know patients that may be listening i mean there's like 10 15 times as many dentists as there are orthodontists globally um and the u.s has a pretty high um, ratio there compared to some other countries as well as maybe Australia, New Zealand. I don't know that market quite as well. So that was, that was a big thing is like you start to really get to know and recognize and it's, it's a small town community, which, um, is, is really cool. Right. Um, so, so I definitely found that that was, was interesting and, and charming for me. I enjoyed it a lot uh, because you're able to build a little bit stronger relationships just by virtue of fewer people. How, how do dentists, now let's have some fun. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I don't know about you, Jay, but I'm just waiting for some kind words from Judd, and that'll <laughs> kind of keep going for a little bit longer. John, your hair looks great today. <laughs> I'm okay. always <laughs> looking for kind words from I'm, Judd. I'm, yeah, I'm good for 10 more minutes then. Okay. Um, I, I, I actually had, I had dinner with a couple really cool dentists last week in Florida. I mean, super cool, young, hip. Um, and, and I was trying to place, you know, behavioral differences between dentists and orthodontists. And obviously we can't be binary with the way we, we think about this thing because everyone's so different. But is there any directional comment you might make on that based on what each sees on the day to day and each is background? Well, I mean, <laughs> So I'm going to throw myself out there and Dr. Warford's probably going to never speak to me again. Um, so let's, let's see how this lands. But so I, I feel like there's an engineering like mindset for both dentists and orthodontists, but how they're approaching um, the tasks in front of them, maybe that's where I could see some differences in approach where, you know, both are looking at something complex and designing a unique solution to solve that. But in, in the world of an orthodontist, um, there's, there's a little difference certainly in the fact that it's, it's 
it's like volume based of not all the same thing. Each case is unique, right? But there's probably buckets and Dr. Warford's going to have to chime in and, and tell me how I messed this up and if I'm way off base here. Um, but in, with dentistry, there's, there's buckets, but it's also like this filling is this particular, you know, kind of filling. And for this particular patient, it is this way. And this is how I'm going to design an artistic occlusion for this individual, right? So, so I think there's a little bit of differences in like the day-to-day -day operations. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly kind of where you were going with it, Judd, or if you were talking more about business attitudes, because I, I think there's some differences there as well. Well, yeah, I, I was high level and you're right. We could have a whole conversation about business attitudes, but I, I think clinical is just fine as well. And I would say like what I noticed is dentists have a lot of procedures and so it was like, I think of my former life in product management. So one day you're in operational mind and then next meeting you're talking about marketing Then you're talking about sales effectiveness. Then you're talking about some clinical stuff with an orthodontist and it's just like hard pivots each way. Mm -hmm. And whereas like an in, in orthodontist is used to seeing like a certain pitch. Yeah, you're kind of in a lane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now John go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're kind of in a lane, just kind of that kind of threw me because I had something. <laughs> I mean, I so you know, all every orthodontist, you know, was was a dentist or is a dentist. Um, I think that you know, from the uh, from the lane perspective, I think in orthodontics, the difference is, and I think that when you're bringing in orthodontics into the dental office is recognizing that we're no longer limited to, hey, we're working on this quadrant or working on this tooth, as Suzanne mentioned, but now we have the ability to move any tooth that is movable and that you desire to move other than say an implant or a bridge or something like that. So, so it's, it, I think it's more of a, um, uh, it's more of a global and more of a comprehensive, you know, all of these different things are possible as opposed to here's a problem with this tooth. Um, and, and that may be oversimplifying because it might be something that's uh, an overall full mouth occlusion sort of situation or an aesthetic situation for a patient. But I think that um, as Suzanne alluded to, hey, there's a problem with this tooth. We're gonna design this like that. I think an orthodontist steps back and has a little bit of a higher level view of looking at the whole, you know, the whole global picture, if you will. Now. We're, we're running out of time and there is one thing I want to touch on that really affects me. And that's what's most important. Really funny. We want to do something funny. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about something really engaging because I want to talk about, so we use a product that Gage makes. Um, we actually give it away to our orthodontist, orthodontic clients because it's so powerful of a tool for us and that's market maps. And it's a data tool that helps us break down things. Well, why am I answering it? Suzanne, you tell us about market maps. So, so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what though? I, I even want to bring this back to what Judd was asking about because for an orthodontist, what is inevitable with your patient base? are moving on, right? They're, out. <laughs> they're leaving. You're done with them and they're out. And that's the win. That's everybody's happy, right? But with, with dentists, there's really probably a greater lifetime value with the patients. Um, it doesn't mean always that, you know, you get somebody in at five years old and they're with you until they're 
80 or whatever, but um, it certainly has a greater opportunity for this longer longevity. And also what that means from a marketing standpoint is orthodontists must market. They must. You have built-in turnover in your clientele. So it is an essential task. Um, I would also posture that dentists should certainly market. Um, there's, there's growth opportunity outside of their patient base, but within their patient base, that's where there's really some great opportunity to right? And I'm saying things everybody knows. Uh, what, what Market Maps helps with is actually identifying the ideal prospects in any local geography. So uh, how we do this is we leverage practice data and historical success rates. We look at external market factors and we combine the two to say, you know, these are the people in your area that are likely seeking your services. And it really um, goes from sort of that spray and pray or, you know, we're just going to have um, a community barbecue over here and hope that everybody shows up. And it uh, elevates the sophistication where, you know, we're, we're all familiar with being targeted on the Internet. We're all familiar with all these various um, tools and tactics that are used for consumer marketing. Uh, we're bringing that same level of sophistication to this industry, to orthodontists, to dentists, um, where they can really leverage data, um, including how, how they're coming across and the people that they're connecting with. So with that combination, then you really have a recipe for success in your marketing activity. And Jay, what you all do is, I mean, critical and fundamental, uh, but Market Maps also is a great contributor to what's going on inside your practice and certainly in your community when it comes to uh, uh, school sponsorships and um, other things that you may do that are really just local activity. For us, it's, you know, being able to see in a geographic area in a small quad what the persona data is. And because uh, in case you don't know, there's only 71 different types of personas and it's all done. Uh, I think Equifax makes it, but it's it's incredible. And it gives you a just a new look and the gauge data breaks it down and says, look, here's an area where these AO3s live and AO3s really like to receive their marketing this way as, a as opposed to a D2 who likes to get mailers. So if we're looking at that data at the practice level, we can say, okay, you've got this group who you really want. You want to do uh, teenage braces, but the people who you want doing the adult braces, well, they're D3. So you don't want to spend your digital marketing dollars on them. Let's do some traditional in the box marketing, uh, in the mailbox. So that's why it's really cool. It gives you that extra layer, that layer that Facebook isn't going to give you, right? Facebook is never going to tell you because we've heard over and over again, oh, you could just use Facebook for that. No, no, you can't because you need this to tell you the persona data because Facebook doesn't give you that. So it is different. It gives you another layer of who's in that household and what kind of information they like and how they want to receive it. Right. And I mean, that's, that's a big thing for anybody in marketing. I mean, I've spent a lot of my career there. You want to be strategic with your spending and it's, you know, hope is not a strategy, right? Like that's a business school <laughs> line. And I mean, there's, there's always, it's, you know, orthodontics is art and science. Marketing is art and science. There's always art to it. It's not perfection where you can just always connect dots perfectly, but to have a narrower scope of understanding and how to reach people uh, saves everybody money, saves everybody resources. And, you know, certainly we expect that increases effectiveness. I have a question though. Yes. 
Can we go around the room? How does everybody pronounce persona? It's yeah, it's persona. Yeah. Persona. How did you say it? Did I say it weird? Just, now I feel really weird saying persona. Yeah, pers- some persona. Yeah, some how did I say it? Co say persona. You said persona, Jay. I did? I yeah, said persona. It. You say persona. It's a hot Atlanta <laughs> thing, man. I say, listen, listen. I'm gonna say whatever anybody tells me to say. Is it persona? Suzanne Wilson, COO of Gage, tells me that it is persona. So that's, from now on, I will say persona. That's hey. just my local dialect. I'm not saying it's right. Before before we conclude this topic, I just want to just because this is being recorded, John and I are withdrawing from this conversation. So when you two are on Capitol Hill being sequestered next to <laughs> Facebook. For, That's for, right. For Asian market, John and I are just <laughs> merely interested in my part. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I don't know what Jay said, but we don't use Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay, copy. Well, everybody, thank you for your time today. Suzanne Wilson, COO of Gage. Go to gage.com. Jay, we got the Reddit. Oh, my God. We have to do the Reddit. And you got, and, and it's so appropriate. The last Hopefully, this one's funnier than the last time. I know well, Judd doesn't, Judd doesn't want to make them funny or something. So I don't no, know no, what his deal is. is. Very all right. All right. Before we wrap the show, the audience has demanded it. Let's do our Reddit roundup, roundup, roundup. All right. Hold on. <laughs> I feel like the three stooges and Suzanne here for some reason. <laughs> Suzanne can be a stooge. Okay, Judd. It is time for you to shine, baby. This is Make us laugh, Judd. great. Great in my man, Jay and Susie Q's wheelhouse. Here's a question from a dentist. Question about referral marketing. Sending an email offering gift card for referring new patients. Referral marketing, January is looking very, very light for us. So what can I do? So what I want to do is try out and send an email to patient base and offer them they get a $20 gift card for every new patient referred to our practice. I have been researching for a week now and I'm a bit confused what is allowed and what is not allowed for referral marketing. I read about self-referral, part of Stark's Law, dental medicine, so on and so forth. Will this give us any trouble? It, 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 this is sort of a compliance question, but this is a bigger question and a bigger example of how people are marketing in dental practices. This is a dentist on Reddit. This is a desperate person. This is someone who is not planned for a rainy day. This is where good digital marketing will keep you fed through the slow months. He should have been planning. I do not, first of all, giving away a $20 gift card is a bad idea. People are not, I mean, first of all, you have to think about how much effort is going to be involved in getting people to activate, to go out and give the gift card. It's a lot, you're asking a lot of effort. You know, maybe if you're dealing with your patients and you, you know, you ah, it's just so complicated. No, don't do it. That's my answer. Suzanne? Here's, here's what I've seen be effective. Um, your patient experience is what will result in your referrals, not an email. And if you choose to reward your patients, that elevates your patient experience and will probably result in more word of mouth because as a mom or as a patient, you're going to be like, this guy was awesome. And I sent my friend over there and I got a $20 gift card and the whole thing is great. Um, so I would say that's actually the email is where we're going wrong in this one. So what is, what are you saying? You're saying give, sorry, I want to understand. You're saying give the car, give the card at the, at, at the time they leave. 
So if I send, if I took my kids to Dr. Cook okay, and Judd is my buddy and he's like, Hey, we need to, you know, get into an orthodontist. Do you know anybody? And I'm like, you should go see Dr. Cook. The guy's been great. My kids love the staff. It's been amazing. And he's like, well, I have this, this, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He goes in and he actually starts treatment. Then Dr. Cook sends me the 20 bucks and says, Hey, thank you for this referral. So there's two things going on there, right? I've already had a quality experience and I'm sharing that, which is really, really where the richness comes from. The second thing is reward psychology is far better than like trying to pull people along with carrot psychology. How so did- that's what I'm getting at. But so where, where was it established that she would get the $20 though? So when, I mean, in, in some practices and Dr. Warford could speak to if you do any of this kind of stuff, but I have seen that in some practices, they may have that kind of posted in and around their office, right? And gotcha. maybe the staff member talks and say, hey, if you refer anybody, just know you can get this or that. You may have that in your initial appointment. You know, it just kind of- I depends. like that. See, that that takes what I was saying and, and makes it go away because I was saying, wow, it's too much effort to have a whole program. But if you're just posting something up and then on the, on the intake form, were you referred, put the name, we like to reward the people. That's exactly. an interesting way to do it. I love and that. And people love to reward their good friend that told them, right? I mean, that's that's kind of like a simpatico thing. Totally. Dr. John. Well, I think that, uh, like Suzanne said, experiences, you know, people may not necessarily uh, remember exactly what you did, but they're going to understand how you made them feel. And so, you know, experience is, is critical. And what we, we try to do is um, what I, I call the platinum rule. I don't know if I coined that or not, but try to treat people better than they expect to be treated. Golden rule being treat others how you want to be treated. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of this going on and, and uh, you know, there's, there's um, a lot of consultants advocate for uh, things like this and family discounts as being another, you know, personally, I kind of wonder about the family discounts sometime, even though we do have it. And I almost think that, well, you know, if we treated one family member great, um, isn't that uh, reason enough to bring the second family member in, you know, as opposed to just offering them some sort of a discount. But, um, you know, that's maybe a slightly different topic. But, you know, I think that the, the how you word this and how you go about it is, uh, is, is very important. And I would agree with Suzanne 100%. Wow. Man, this show turned out to be really good, Judd, even though it was really poorly planned by myself. <laughs> so thank you. Can we, all. Give, this, say the can we thing, give this right? person a solution? <laughs> oh, like he wants his phone ringing. Let's give him a solution. What I do you think? I told him to get on the digital marketing train. He could have he could have new starts a month by starting a paid campaign with a good agency. Right? Do yeah. a PPC campaign, get 13 to 20 new starts a month, and be pleased. But Jay, you know, you know, as you know, finding good agencies is hard, you know, so uh, brain bites is, uh, you know, is wonderful, but it's, you know, getting that word out there. And there's a, I, I don't know, you may know better than me, but for every, you know, one good agency, how many are making uh, unkept promises and aren't so good, you know, what, 20 to one? Almost all, um, all of yeah. them, but then, uh, then find a good agency, pay a little more, give us a call or... You know, there are amazing tools, linkedinbotlinda.com, and they have some amazing tools to teach people how to do these things. So, I mean, there are, you know, LinkedIn learning is really cool. So uh, there are solutions for this gentleman to, or, or lady, I didn't know what it was. So, you know, 
the, the, the world is their oyster. The resources are there for anybody who wants to do anything. There yeah. are, we live in a world where there are no more excuses. The How irony, is that, Suzanne? The, the that irony great. In, yeah. in this discussion, I, I see a lot of people that really start going to these links for strumming up the patients when their back's already against the wall and they're in a drought. And that's not the time exactly. to try and fire up the circus to, to make it happen. You know, it's it's like trying to find a date when you're desperate. I mean, everybody can like sit down. They're not having it. Oh man. If anyone's seen the movie Swingers with John Favreau, yep. somehow they just know you're desperate. That's why they don't call you back. Exactly. Well, guys, we have to wrap it up. I'd like to thank our uh, guest, Suzanne Wilson, COO of Gage. Visit gage.com, request a demo, look at the Gage platform, look at market maps. It's all awesome. Thank you, Suzanne. And visit uh, Dr. Warford's site. John Warford can be found at warfordorthodontics.com. If you have an orthodontist or dental practice and are sick of digital marketing that doesn't work, please check out our agency, BrainBytes Creative, and start making an ROI off your digital marketing spend. Visit us at brainbytescreative.com. And last but not least, if you are a dental clinician looking to drive more revenue to your practice, Contact ODO at ondemandorthodontist.com and info at ondemandorthodontist.com. I'm Jason Sroden, and on behalf of Judd Johns and the entire Get It Straight podcast, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.